So the uh, ending of the retreat is in the air, the atmosphere, in the our understanding. But I'd like to slightly reword it as the closure, recognizing there was an opening, an opening and closing of pretty much the rhythm of life that uh, on the microcosmic level is the opening of the breath as we inhale, the closing as we exhale and then the midpoint poised and the opening and the closing and the midpoint which is a really interesting phase of breathing sometimes overlooked and but if you cultivate that process that midpoint what seems to be a midpoint becomes extremely significant because there's a sense the outbreath you discharge and then you move into this open and you linger in there and drink it in and then the inhalation comes in brightens comes back to the in point as the inhalation completes itself very open again open to sky open to earth and you know so this open mm. uh, and if you look at it energetic terms you have the crown I mean of the base sphincter the baseline opening to the ground so you can look, kind of contemplate that and how there's no hard cut off yeah. which is I think to me it's quite an important little piece because often we assume you know, we have one breath, two breath, three breath, four breath, count the breath, clip. And that imposes a certain assumption which really isn't that accurate. And it misses out an extremely significant piece. If that deepening into the openness is allowed or becomes available, the whole system soothes and regulates. And there's a a sense in which the division between the external and the internal begins to fade. And then one is neither internal nor external. <laughs> There's a holistic completion, which is very balanced. Mm. Mm. So this, uh, mm. And the emotional energy is not dead, it's just receptive, quiet. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So really, if we're caught using breath meditation, then I just point that out from field work as a sign just to look at yourself, experience yourself, and also what stops it. <laughs> you know, if we can't really discharge uh, completely, we're actually in some trouble. You know, restless, tight, tense, sleepless, incomplete. And then the psychological imbalance occurs because until you can really find, complete that midline, you're not actually properly anchored. And then there's that, you know, look, trying to, the, the system just does that, you know, whatever you do with your mind, the system is not really properly anchored, it, it sort of agitates internally externally, psychologically, emotionally and naturally once that comes into the mind the mind can certainly present a scenario which which reifies and and certifies and authorizes all that movement. Really busy. Really busy a lot on my mind. So it's so normal we don't really question it. Why can't it just, you know, how much has to be restored there? Or kind of on pink alert, you know, ready to fire. How much has to be stored up? The more you store up, the more there's a reflex to store up and handle and hold and plan and remember and work out. 
there's less available space both for enjoyment and also flexibility. If I've got some space in there, I can, well, maybe that, you know, perhaps that, you know, that'd be nice, you know, interesting new, new possibilities. If it's all jammed solid, actually, you know, the realm of the mysterious, the miraculous, the wonderful, the imaginative, the spontaneous is gone. And what are we doing? Well, what's our life about? You know, it's a pretty grim option, really. So the, the discharge also requires what we're contemplating, sadda. You're allowed to let it all go. <laughs> yeah. uh, even for 10 seconds, you know, just... Uh, and then really working on those, those retentive instincts and anxious instincts and... Physically, you know, coming down through the lower body, down into the legs and the floor, just really allowing for that. How long? It's t- t- 10 seconds, you know. And even that, we find it frustrating. My mind won't, doesn't do it. So it needs, it needs cultivation, you know, and um, recollection, you know. So all this supports because we can do so much on that kind of bodily energetic level, but recognize the bodily energetic level, the emotional and psychological kind of interwoven. You know, I tend to refer to the, the bodily because it's somehow more simple and clean, less complex. It's intricate, but it's not so interwoven and, and identified with. And it's really intimate. Whereas some of that psychological stuff is so knitted to social circumstances and other people, it's very difficult to really feel you can complete your relationship with that unless you've completed the relationship with your own energetic system mm-hmm. and your emotional system. So, you say, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, and recognize there always is that opening and closing, beginning and end. We're born, we die. We come in. The long breath of a life. And then the breath empties. We move into death, what we call death. Mm. That long tide. And recognizing that's absolutely true for all, all of us. And always will be, and always has been. And for everyone we look around and see the same process. So we think, take the intimately, I am of the nature to age, sick and die. Sounds kind of grim, but as you, as you cultivate it, the sense is, you know, okay, all this has to be relinquished. It will be taken away from me. Um, so let's do a graduated relinquishment. So I'm kind of preparing and I cannot stop death but what I can do is make that closure graduated so you know that sense of okay we don't need that don't need that forgive that you know appreciate that where are the values um, and really practicing like that so this contemplation of death is considered a, one of the things we should cultivate every day at least 10 minutes or so um, and generally I often do this last thing at night, thinking, okay, maybe tonight's the last night. I mean, it's, it's a bit, bit trite, really, because you can die any old time, but <laughs> okay, so it's a good time to just feel okay. You know, whatever's happened today, you know, can I clean my relationship with that? You know, the regret or the guilt or the irritation or the complexity, just... Can I clean that? And what does it take to do that? It's often it's metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, the Brahma Vihara. That's part of it. Understanding, you know, the nature of change, karma. This is just karma action happening, you know. So other people's reactivities or, okay, that's that. Uh, and, and, you know, so it's rather making identities out of it all that we're kind of holding and particularly our own.
So we might start as we contemplate that Maranusati, so okay, so mm, one point this mobility experience will become rare or incomplete. Hmm. How is that? You know, it's a shock, I think. Right? Gradually releasing the energy from all that action, mobility. So you release energy from it. Withdraw it deliberately before it gets taken away from you. Restful. However it is, let it be. There'll be a time when you can't adjust things anymore. So the Brahma Vihara of equanimity, let it be as it is. And open space, heart space to receive that, how it is. Equanimity is not an easy practice. It's not, it's not difficult, you know, I mean, if somebody told me, like, describe equanimity when I was 17, and it's, it's something like either bored or slightly depressed. <laughs> I didn't actually have a reference to it. <laughs> like nothing's happening. Okay. Or, you know, slightly glum. But it's actually, equanimity is, is where the, the heart energies, which are both active and receptive, remember, bear that in mind, you know, they both generate emotional activation, but they're also sensitive and receptive. Right? We're sensitive and we're responsive. So it's the same pattern, isn't it? We're sensitive, which is open, and we're responsive action. And, you know, we can make quite a bit out of the action, because that's the stuff that really moves around, but it's cultivating receptive because uh, that's, you know, eventually more reliable, steady, and to be developed. Mm. So the Brahma Vihara go that way. The, the metta is the opening to the heart and a certain encouragement, like a benevolent activation. May there be, may there be. It's kind of like that quality yeah. and then compassion is when we start to meet the dissonances and okay don't close around this one don't fluster don't fight don't faint yes. you know so we're opening into the dissonances and recognizing if we open to the dissonances then um, part of the identity package which is built on resistance cynicism brushing off denial begins to drop away and we can become actually grander and uh, more accommodating to difficult emotion, difficult feeling. The beauty of that is that one is certainly more available. More of you becomes available in this domain. Compassion is a resource and an attainment. Gladness is the, uh, the sense of appreciation. You know, where the receptivity is now able to come forth. You know, so mudita, which is translated in terms as sympathetic joy, slightly clunky phrase, appreciative gladness, gladness of the welfare of another. It's not necessarily gladness of the welfare of another. It is gladness, uh, sympathetic gladness. So it can be appreciating one's own fortune, blessing, Freedom from ill will, freedom from um, disease, freedom, you know, anything like that. You become more receptive that, oh, what, what is here that is, a, that is actually, you know, oh. And it helps because so often we, we tend to meet or be concerned about the dissonance in our experience. That's the nerve engine that gets touched, isn't it? Oh, dang it, you know, sooner or later, oh, damn, it's wrong with, this isn't, you know, uh, uh, that kind of thing going on. Because <laughs> that's the primary nerve, isn't it? You know, the amygdala in the brain is mostly stimulated to negative stuff in order, the idea being we can get away from it. 
which may work in terms of external phenomena, it doesn't work in terms of internal phenomena, we can't get away from <laughs> our, our irritability or touchy points. So that's the nerve that really speaks up, so we, okay, that's that, feel annoyed, feel upset, feel distressed, mm. everybody gets this. Feel left alone, feel betrayed, feel let down, everybody gets this. That signal is in the field, not a, not a happy signal. And re receiving it. So what I can do is not get activated into rancor, resentment, guilt, betrayal, you know, I don't have to take that, that dissonance in. That's the skill, that's the benefit, that's the bounty of compassion. It makes us much more available to meet the distress of others because then we're not going, oh, stop it, or you shouldn't be that way, or get over it, you know. <laughs> it's just, mm. And that, that, then you really recognize the, the power of that compassion internally and externally, the empathy with another, really helps the other to, to uh, they begin to find their middle point. You know, things are disagreeable, not what I prove of what I feel good about but do I have to take it in and get activated by it open question really but you don't want to react you know okay you want to do some action fine but make it an action rather than a reaction so there's compassion and then with that the, the receptivity aspect of the chittis begins to know itself Oh, I can, because you, you're no longer so oriented around dissonance, and then you can be oriented around non-dissonance. Mm. The freedom from many things we're free from. Any given moment, like my body is not giving me pain, or not much pain. Uh, nobody's on my back at the moment. <laughs> you know, oh, and so we can always think how things could be better. But with a little bit of pondering, you realise things could get a lot worse <laughs> than this. You know, oh, it's great gain for me, great fortune for me that I have friends who will listen to me moaning. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes you get locked up for this. <laughs> it is great gain for me that I can maintain integrity. Ah, oh, you know, it's great gain for me that I can still freely breathe in and out. <laughs> Because it isn't always the case for beings. You know, most relatively sane, which isn't always the case for beings. Let me get the more detail, gladness. And this is really appreciative. It's, it's the way we start to um, restore or feed our emotional body. That's the nature of the receptive. The active does things. The receptive builds. Just as our physical body needs to keep rebuilding itself, you know, you know, food, air, energy, breath, it's rebuilding its, its vitalities, its systems and its energy channels and so forth. Our emotional body needs much the same, it needs to be rebuilt, you know, constantly refreshed and regenerated. And so mudita is the beginning of that. And then equanimity is the receptive as it spreads and quietens, which is almost no activation at all. So mudita's got some cheerfulness in it. And you think, well, why go beyond that? <laughs> well, you don't really. I mean, don't go beyond it until it begins to, by itself, open a little further, something more serene. Yeah more serene, when it's more restful and serene and expands and it's got some discernment, wisdom. You know, things are this way, things are that way, karma working, um, you know, so there's a heart, just receptivity, openness to that. And all these, though they're seen as sequential, in a way, they're all stacked on top of each other. You know, the, basic, the basic system is anukampa, empathy. 
and, and you get these other qualities st uh, kind of opaque is like almost the baseline and the top you know, that open receptivity which becomes more available as one cultivates okay so you know dying ending or whatever that means can be a sense of alarm naturally uh, shock leaving separation these are powerful triggers so we do need to enter that place which doesn't do that you know so obviously on a sensory level yeah we we part this breaks down she's gone he's dying uh, but then in the heart energy we that doesn't have to follow that pattern so this is a sense which the jitter can withdraw from the sense domain not dismiss it but actually you know that's true and yet there is another you know, withdraw to the heart energy place the receptivity and even beyond that withdraw from energy altogether in the death moments so we, we cultivate that withdrawal uh, there will be a time when I, I can no longer move this body maybe bits of it already well I'm glad that I can still be present with this so it is so it is the nature of bodies is this there will be a time when I cannot see uh, when I cannot see things that is taken away, that's removed. Then hmm. I'm glad that I've cultivated the heart to the point when I can dwell in that realm. The external realm is now less discernible. Hmm. So I'm glad of this. Hmm. And when we look into the heart, we do the main business, which is looking at the acquisitions, the residues, um, that are left, the uncertainties, the unfinished business, and okay, you know, and equanimity, nobody's business on one level ever gets finished. Uh, there's a time when I cannot do that. I have to make peace with that. Forgive, ask for forgiveness, be forgiven for that, any of that. Yeah, and so then we kind of also review our ancestors. They gave me this life. I didn't get it. They gave it to me. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, and have I lived in a way that's worthy of some honour or respect? And this, this doesn't go. This can stay. Sense fields fade. Energy dwindles and there can be an opening which eventually returns, the chitta returns to its own uh, purity well this, yeah, so okay, this, this can take years doing this kind of thing regularly but I do recommend it because how can we be so blind, so uninformed, so unrecognizing about the most obvious apparent hugely significant fact about this lifespan as if it's a tragedy that happens to other people you know, some remote time in the future yeah. Yeah. and uh, so that okay, so the ending what doesn't end if you've cultivated it properly just like when you're breathing out, the movement of the muscles fades, energy recedes. It doesn't end exactly, it just opens. And then returns. So you give a little bit of confidence in something that's, you know, because we don't really know, we don't really directly know death and is there an afterlife or not or whatever but we do know this so is it possible that this is this is the pattern in the microcosm this is the pattern 
Is that possible? Hmm. Yeah. And you look at nature, the cycles of nature. The day's end? No. Say so it's ten o'clock, end of the day. I don't see any ten o'clocks, <laughs> eleven o'clocks, twelve o'clocks. When does it end? When does it begin? It just changes, light changes, the energy subsides and returns. It doesn't actually end, does it? It's one long day. You kind of think like that, you begin to remove these constructed boundaries that sort of box us in. And even though that's only a convention, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock and so forth, it just still creates a box. You know, you want to be free of any box you don't actually need at all. Jitta can move at its own time, own pace. Your energies can move at their own time, their own, their own pace. Opening, extending, quietening, pausing, returning. Sense of a closing in as you return home to the center and then expanding out. Internal, external. When the movement ceases, internal, external cease. So, you know, we meditate, we're trying to really put aside the, the assumptions that are made, the pieces, you know, people tell us or we learn, you know, we, we are living inside this body and then one day it will die, but don't worry about it now, you know, <laughs> and try to stop it happening, you kind of this sense of being boxed in. And actually, the body, physical body arises within as direct experience, the body arises within awareness, doesn't it? The sense of embodiment arises, forms energetically within awareness, and then sensations occur, and, and so on. And then, you know, so it arises within something much more nameless. And is it possible that with the decline and passing away of this body, the chitta can enter the nameless? And Buddha said yes. This is what I teach, the path to the deathless. So endings, beginnings. You know, very natural and normal to when we we are geared to this uh, clock time experience with trains and buses and you know appointments and so forth. We get into the what they call the traffic light syndrome: red light, green light, green light, boing, here we go. Traffic light, slam, here we stop. <laughs> Got to get to that nine o'clock appointment, wee. <laughs> launch, you know, <laughs> end a retreat, get home, wee, you know, out the window. <laughs> Leave your injuries behind. They were just some weird thing you did for 10 days. <laughs> so, you know, contemplate, you know, moving out and moving in. This red light, green light. And notice the volition. So I was mentioning to somebody the other day, you know, like just practice sitting in a chair and then say, okay, it's time to get up and don't get up. Just say, get up and then feel that boom and then pause, relax. Okay? Relax completely. You're never going to get up again. Time to get up. <laughs> For this surge. And generally what happens is your head lifts off your shoulders and the body's dragged up behind it. <laughs> so the energy just rushes out. I mean, if you think of it logically, your head can't stand up. <laughs> so you've got to get feet, bottom, legs. Let's get down. Let's get down. Feel the ground and like lift, 
whole body lifting, you know. It seems so such a simple exercise, but it's amazing breaking the habit of the darting habit. You've got to get your feet on the ground. You can't stand up without your feet on the ground. So get them down there and rock forward. Get the balance on your feet and lift. And take a breath. Here we are. Okay, that took five seconds longer. <laughs> Was it that important? <laughs> and you, but then you're all in one piece. And every step is beginning and ending. Opening being the ground, lifting, moving. Can we at least, you know, practice that process even in, in retreat time where the signals, as many as possible, are being, are being switched off. The red lights and green lights around you are being switched off. So can you practice that so you're not... Nine o'clock work meeting, you know, meal times, rest time, meditation hall. You know. <laughs> Just, it's all right to be three minutes late, you know. We don't. It's not a guillotine, and so I just sit a little bit longer than we expected, or a bit shorter than we expected. You know what I mean? Sometimes the sitting's a bit longer, a bit shorter. That's okay, and then relish those bits because you just relax into the unconstructed. Mm. Pausing, so learning that that space. Really helpful. There's more that you can attune to that in terms of your bodily volition. Then it's a good resource to attend to the more significant volition which is the heart volition that jumping of the heart to oh this means conclusions got to do that yeah that's good to do now how do you rise to that how do you rise to what you're doing do you take the indrias with you or do you leave them behind it's possible get your energy together heart energy together. Do you feel right about this? Then if the heart energy comes again, you get chanda, aspiration, and then you supervise your activity with mindfulness, you know, steady yourself, composure, and then clear away what you don't need with panya, discernment, that's not necessary, and understand the process and where it takes you. And also when you've completed, you know, your washing up or whatever it is, a very simple thing, and that's completed. What's it like to have completed that? Yeah, that's... See, that energy, that desire, it's been completed because it's chanda, if you cultivate it, can be enough you've done it end finished tanha never enough tanha is trying to create a solid person who gets everything done and never appreciates what has been done so then the mudita goes the brahvihara go the uh, we just feel restless and there's more to do So the important thing is not whether you've, you know, fixed the house, the garden, whatever. The important thing is have you extended your indriya, your allies into that? Have you appreciated I have acted with integrity as best I could? Sadhu, appreciation. Mm. I have extended and then that, then there can be a completion. When we look at it kind of purely on the physical or sensory level, it's never complete. There's always another bit to fix, another something else to, to adjust. That's in terms of, you know, the um, inanimate world. Then when you get to the social, relational world, it's much the same. Uh, 
You know, our relationships are always hovering. You know, teeter. And that's the way they should be. Uh, because that means a constant need for trust, faith, respect. I don't assume you are this or you are that or you have to be this for me or I have to be that for you or we, you know, we stay open and respectful we keep negotiating quietly sensitively verbally yeah. so that maintains autonomy within a related field and it's different from independence which separates us autonomy means we, we're mutually active, mutually receptive within an engaged field. And that's really the model. An interesting um, poignant phrase I came across is the, the smallest unit in the universe is not one, it's two. <laughs> it's not one, it's two. There's always me and my body, awareness and thought, myself and yourself, myself and the group, myself and my parents, my ancestors, and so forth. I mean, within something. And I want to sustain that you know, with, with faith and with opening to that the qualities of the open heart, goodwill, and of course, compassion, the dissonance, and appreciation in the non-dissonance, gladness. Uh, you know, gladness, appreciation. Mm. Yeah. And one of our teachers said, well, you know, once you get that, you realize even, even with people you have difficulties with, you appreciate them because they're testing you and keeping you on your toes and helping you to develop compassion and patience. <laughs> If people you have struggles with or dislike you, you have to, okay, right, that's his issue, that's, yeah, true, I did make a mistake there, okay, let's deal with that, and you know, I think, think she's obviously very sensitive in this point, and I'm feeling slightly defensive, and let's relax that, and then, you know, you're kind of finding that uh, openness, which is not powerless, it's not like, yes, walk over me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here as your punch bag. <laughs> no, it's not like that, really. It's not that kind of openness. It's an openness that I maintain the dignity, the self-respect, the sense of, okay, you got me there. That's a good point. I, I can take the advice. I don't need the anger. I'll take the advice. I understand the upset, the annoyance. I'll take the advice and I'll be compassionate towards the anger. I don't have to take the anger in. I acknowledge it. I feel compassionate towards it. Yeah. I don't have to adopt it. I'll take the advice. I'll see what we can do. This is an ongoing process. You know, does anybody ever get this right with, with other people? You know, it's always a matter of adjusting, isn't it? Because, you know, because the problem is you think you know people. <laughs> you think you know other people. I've lived with him for 20 years, I know him. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, you've got some field notes. <laughs> but, you know, you know some behaviours. You may know some behaviours or recognise some behaviours. Uh, do you know the feeling? Uh, can you attune to that? Mm. Mm. And in, in relational practices, just by maintaining one's own centre and open, we help other people know themselves. So, you know, if, if say I'm getting a bit flustered and upset and so forth to another, you know, 
and she and he says, okay, well, yeah, I see you're pretty unhappy about that, it seems to me. Is that how it is for you? Yeah. Okay. So tell me more. Oh, they're not saying, well, shove off, or it's your fault, or life's like that, or <laughs> too busy right now. <laughs> tell me more. But that's the sound of compassion. Tell me more. Oh. And then perhaps my anger can, my irritation can feel, oh yeah, there's something there, there's not just closing it down or dismissing it, and don't feel quite so steamed up. Tell me more, and let it move out, and then, then maybe we get to the point of, you said you'd do this, but actually you did that. Uh, right, good point, thank you very much. Got it. Didn't realize that, that was significant, so... I learn about where I'm casual, where I drop the ball, I wasn't tuned in. Thank you. How else am I going to learn unless somebody tells me? <laughs> you know, I can't see the back of my head. How else am I going to learn unless somebody tells me where I'm dropping the ball, not, not tuning in, not sensitive, not aware? Mm. So I, you know, other people can help me know myself more fully and appreciate that. And they're never the images that I create. So that means a constant respect and negotiation of, of contact. Is this the right time, the right place? I don't know. Let me know. How am I going to know? <laughs> am I coming on too strong? Or Let me know. I'll see what I can do. I need some guidance. So that's how, you know, <laughs> the two is what establishes the correct centre. And this internal-external dyad is the movement of life, you know, isn't it? Everything is, is in this relational sense, the soil and the tree, you know, both feeding each other. You know, and uh, breathing in, breathing out, you know, body, the muscles of the body responding to the signal of the energy opening, making breath possible. You know, as the energy knows itself, it signals to the body that's enough. Muscles relax. Two. Two systems acting in harmony keep this thing alive. <laughs> the biggest delusion is to think, I am breathing. <laughs> and once we dismiss that, I am breathing, or I've got to get it right, even worse, or I've got to be mindful of it, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Once we dismiss that illusion, there's a system doing this. I'm blessed, you know, I can can enjoy this, just this how this thing is happening. And so, you know, then your, your awareness spans the dyad, and feels settled in that, not trying to make it happen, not withdrawing from it. Feels settled in that, and then there's a completion. And so that's how we, you know we we move to to completion, like in the microcosm. Yeah. So we look at you know concluding or coming to the closure of, of our of our time together, our retreat together. Have we? seen each other, not just visually, but other beings are other beings in their varieties. May they be well. You know, I, I don't want to name, stereotype people, you know, fixate on people one or another, just sentiences. May they be well. May their dissonances, any negative effects we have, may I receive those in compassion. May I celebrate the fact that we are able to be together in a cooperative. And the Dhamma brings us into this, this communion. It's great gain. It's great benefit. Yeah. We can enjoy, we can learn, we can, you know, it's great gain, great benefit. So mudita, anamodana is the expression. And serenity, this form also will pass. What can I 
take? What, what, what am I left with? Mm. So then we come into, you know, closures. The closure is a closure and yet it's not really a closure. You know, because what's essential doesn't die, doesn't end. Well, generally when we are, and I imagine Laura will say more about this in due course, I hope. It's my wish, but <laughs> I can express my wish. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> you know, when we come to this kind of closing retreat, we start to look at both at properly sealing off, signing off this, you know, physically tidying our place, also acknowledging and, and appreciating the time together. Uh, and you know, cultivating like that, uh, and what can you leave behind? What debris, what stuff can you leave behind that you no longer need? So you reset, there's the possibility to, to you feel like we've been skinless, we've started to expose a lot, the interviews, the presence together, expose that, and what skin now fits you? You don't want to go back to just an off the peg one <laughs> that you were wearing you know, two years ago. Now what's the skin, that your boundary that fits you, feels comfortable, that you can maintain your integrity and centering in and handles the, the dissonances and the emotional energies in your life. What skin do you need? What boundaries do you need? So some of you meditate, feeling the very physical skin boundary how that sense is and is it relaxed and complete don't go out without all your skin on <laughs> it's bad out there <laughs> yeah, and so naturally that's affected by the signals in the field we get hard skin because of threat signals in the field or we get shrunken signals because of regret or guilt in the field so we, we clear those and, you know, wherever you go, you've still got that center. If you're going, what we call going back home, again, it's a chance to reset. How much do you need that? So renunciation is, is a, uh, really helpful, particularly as we're dying. Um, think, well, give it away. You know, I'm dying. Well, I mean, we're all dying, but I sense, okay, this is, this is the last bit. I think, well, actually, I'm not going to use that again. I'm not really into that anymore. And clear, clear, clear. Somebody doesn't have to clear up the mess after me. I might, you know, hopefully could go on for another decade or more. But, you know, something in me says, now moving towards closure. No regret. As least mess as possible for other people to deal with. So I do that in terms of my belongings regular basis mm. and also just even you know I've got a little hut I live in it's quite a nice hut actually it's not it's not to make you think I'm some little grubby shack it's, it's a pretty decent <laughs> piece of kit <laughs> you know a kind of tarpaulin under a tree somewhere <laughs> it's adequate and, but then I, you know I think well you know I look it around and think I can either have the thing, which is nice, or I can have the space. I can have the thing, book, item of clothing, some, or I can have the space. You can't have both. Book or the space. Space. <laughs> the eye is restful because there's not much to look at. Yeah. I might not have to clean things up, dust things. Don't have drawers full of stuff thinking, where did I put the keys? Is it this, that, one, the other? Yeah. So this, just this is really helpful. Obviously, even as the community life is a great asset because you know, often you don't really need stuff because there's stuff held in, in community. This is, this is where the whole dyadic principle becomes extremely um, valid, particularly if you don't go from dyad to triad to whatever it is. So he said, I don't need my own washing machine. I can share it with 25 other people. 
That's great, you know. You know, you see how that plays out. So sharing and giving and renunciation just makes life more comfortable <laughs> whenever it's possible. So this is definitely a direction to go in. And we look at, obviously, you know, these things in material terms. But also, what kind of tremendous heart blessing that occurs through giving and sharing. What tremendous heart blessing occurs through, you know, we, we matter to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to share it. Because then I'm not so dismembered. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the tremendous heart benefit that comes from living in such a, a, a context. And more one can cultivate that. Kalyanamita is one of the primary resources. The Buddha said a necessary, absolutely necessary resource for levels of awakening is the Kalyanamita. External and deep attention internal. And they are kind of dyadic poles. External, internal. Can I be a decent, wise friend to myself? Firm about my shortcomings, compassionate, clear, establishing the true. Can I find someone who will help to mirror that or guide me towards that? Two together, the diag, then there's a completion. So these are things to consider, to bear in mind. And, you know, naturally nothing is switch on. We, we move, we incline to in that direction. You incline internally from the heart and uh, moving through this domain you know, to, to build up your resources in the world that appears around you. And bear in mind that the most powerful valid resource is the one that doesn't leave you. Okay.